speak to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Summer camps, summer camps. In my first year living here in America, people kept asking, are your kids going to summer camp? What camps are your kids doing? I thought, what is that? Summer camp? At home, I never put those two things together, those words together. When our summer starts, December, our school year ends. The whole country slows down. Business partially closed. Families come together for Christmas and New Year. Before we know it, it's back to school again. The new school year begins. This isn't, there's no need for kids to go to summer camp, stay active, or cover uh, child care. In time, I have come to realize that summer camps are numerous opportunities created for school-going children to learn and experience something new. For example, my friend's daughter approached her senior year. She was not convinced about college for her. In response to her doubts, my friend sent her to a month-long math camp at a university. He hoped that to experience what it is like to be at college, it might help open up to this idea of going to college. Just like my friend, that many of us find that an experience is often more effective than arguing your point or nagging our children about importance of education or practicing their musical instrument. Some of you attend meetings, conferences, and retreats for all of us when we have a new, stimulating, engaging experience we can often be transformed and changed by it in a significant way. Another friend said this, she spent the last week at an intensive symphonia camp. She had fun, she was challenged, she got mad, she got stuff sorted out. We are so proud of her. She got stuff sorted out. I love that line. She got stuff sorted out. Similarly, friends, Jesus knew where to get stuff sorted. In Luke, we see Jesus praying a lot. In this passage, he takes his trio to a retreat or camp with him. The passage says he took them to a mountain to pray. Luke skillfully shares in details what happened just before this moment. Jesus and the disciples had fed 5,000 by a miracle Jesus performed. Peter confessed Jesus was a Messiah. Jesus instructed them what kind of Messiah he is, he will be. He instructed them 
these disciples to deny themselves and take up their cross daily. That was a lot of stuff for the disciples and followers to digest, which might have caused the disciples' head to be in a fog, like the description of my friend. There was a lot of stuff to be sorted in their understanding of the Messiah. Instead of Jesus teaching them, he took them to the new experience, to something new and unexpected. I wonder whether Jesus invited all of his disciples to go up to the mountain, but only three showed up. Jesus was doing what he knew to do to clear his head get his heart in the right place. He continued a practice that helped him to align his agenda with God's agenda. Prayer is will alignment. Just like a will alignment of your car, if a will, if a will alignment is not done, that car will go off course and be danger to its owner. Prayer is connecting the divine energy and orientating heart and mind towards God. Prayer is a daily alignment of your will with God's will. That is what it means to deny oneself and take up the cross daily. Interestingly, to behold what Jesus is doing here, we must appreciate that his disciples were in the midst of grief, uncertainty and confusion. When anxiety and confusion was swelling, he invited them to the mountain to pray. Prayer was a practice and a ritual where God's light would shine into the cloud of darkness. The appearance of his face changed and his clothes became white. Perception and the form of his face changed. Did it change because he was praying? Imagine how grief and sadness and agony can sometimes show in our bodies. You, you know the saying, he has a long face. Meaning he said, she's glowing. Means, oh, she's happy. We wear our hearts on our bodies. It is not a stretch then to imagine Jesus' face in this moment. Peaceful, content, filled with God's presence. In this moment, we visualize with all senses that Jesus' messiahship is God's plan and is God's approved. Moses and Elijah pointed to Jesus' prophetic and priestly ministry and their presence at the transfiguration was another affirmation of this kind of a Messiah Jesus was. Luke wants his readers, God lovers, Theophilus, to be convinced that there is something special about Jesus, that they can be certain concerning the things that have been taught. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they stayed awake, they saw his glory. Two men stood with him. To use 
Father Richard Rose's word, the inner circle were in liminal space, just in between state. They were way down with sleep, yet they managed to stay awake. In their fortitude, they saw glory. Peter and James and John, in the liminal space between heaven and earth, they were led to be eyewitnesses of his majesty. Likewise, we are in this liminal space, in between state, between womb and tomb. We are also invited to see the glory of Jesus' incarnation and ascension and invited to take our cross daily. Years later, Peter reflects on this mountaintop experience in this epistle. He promised, I know that my death will come soon. And indeed, our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me and I will make every effort so that my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter seems clear about his own impending death, confident to honestly accept it. Surely, his trip to the mountain to pray with Jesus helped Peter to find freedom and courage to behold his life between the womb and the tomb. Peter could face death fearlessly because Jesus modeled the way of his companion. In the same way, in prayer, we also enter liminal and in-between space and are held by our loving and liberating God. Just as a cloud appeared on the mountaintop to validate God's mystical protection and provision for Jesus and his disciples, prayer is God's holding space for us that we are safe and transformed by his presence into his likeness. We don't always fully understand what God is doing and showing us. We see Peter in in-between, in this in-betweenness. His limited human thinking. He has an idea. Peter was so impressed and overwhelmed by transfiguration he was tempted to possess it or codify it. He says to Jesus, Master, it is good to be here. Let us make three dwellings. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he was saying, Peter tells Jesus what to do. Isn't that crazy? As if Jesus needed an idea. Peter misses something in this historical moment, not knowing what he said or understanding this moment. Jesus, of course, does not listen. We too, like Peter, in place of prayer, are invited to listen to him, to be present for the transfiguration and transformation of our wills, minds, and hearts. We do not need to rush in doing something or boldly telling God what he should be doing. No, Jesus' invitation is one of presence, a place to be brutally honest 
about our own insecurities, fears, and squabbles about provision, protection, and possession. Often, often, we are scared. Hence, we don't trust God. God will provide for us. We are fearful and anxious about enemies, persecution, and being ostracized or sidelined by others. Hence, we do not trust God, that God will protect us. We are constantly fighting over or holding tightly to what we think we ought to possess rather than trust God's generosity. Thankfully, friends, our own Anglican spirituality helps us. It invites us to this mountain to pray. Using the common book of prayer, take it, open it. Use it, pray. In Latin they say, Lexa orandi, Lexa crandinde, Lexa vevinde. As we pray, so we believe, so we live. This is an invitation to go to the mountain and be transformed. Remember, not all disciples follow Jesus to the mountain. Please know that we are all, 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 all invited to pray. Prayer is God-holding space for us to be held so that our fears, anxiety, and insecurity will dissipate. We are invited daily to give up time, face our own frail humanity and the evil of this world. We are invited to get our stuff sorted. You know I'm going to do this. How is your prayer practice? How, how this week, how is it going to change? Set a time. If you're not a praying type, just pray once, once a day. And see what happens. If, if this is your practice, just add, add just two minutes of silence and see what God does. Friends, just imagine. Just, just imagine. If we were prayerful people, that we understand prayer prepares us for our own hour of death. And prayer, we discover unselfish, dangerous, unse dangerous unselfishness. L let me read something one of your prophets, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., said in this last speech of his life. And some began to say the threats and talk about the threats that were out there. And what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I do not know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it's, it really doesn't matter with me now because I have been in the mountain top. I do not mind. Like anybody, I would like long life. Longevity has its place. But I am not concerned 
about that now. I just want to do God's will. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I'm not, I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight and that we as people will get to the promised land. So I am happy tonight. I am not worried about anything. I am not fearing any man. My eyes have seen the coming of the Lord. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at thechapelofthecross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.